What's up, you guys? Good morning. Welcome to Woods Edge. My name is Justin. If you don't know me, I'd love to meet you sometime. Probably not going to be today because I'm leaving early. Um, I got a couple brief announcements for us. First and foremost, if you're on the floor in the back, there's a lot of chairs available, so I'd encourage you to grab one. Um, second, senior high service, if you drive yourself to church, do remember that from now on, we'd love to invite you to park over in our ministry team building parking lot. Basically, there's a parking lot back over here in front of the offices that we all office in, and that's your spot. You guys can park there. There's always spots available, and there's a path that leads right over here. So if you drive yourself to church, help us free up some space in the big church parking lot and park over there. Um, we do not have small groups this Wednesday night, just a reminder, as a result of Valentine's Day. So a lot of your small group leaders are married and or dating, and they would like to take their people out for some dates, and they've earned it, so we've given them the night off. If you'd still like to come up to church, that's great, but this building's going to be locked, but prayer service will be happening from 7 to 8, and you're more than welcome to attend. Uh, prayer service is awesome. Um, so what else? What else do I got? Can't see. Sidekick Sunday. Next Sunday is Sidekick Sunday. You guys might know this is our once a quarter event where we encourage you guys to invite a friend to church. Um, if you want to invite somebody that goes to another church, that's fine, but like that's their church home. You don't want to tear them away any more than I would want you to be torn away. If you know somebody that doesn't go to church, this would be a great service to invite them to. And after church is over from 1230 to 2, we are providing free hamburger hot dog lunch to all you guys. And then we're going to have some fun, never before done here games that we're going to be playing. If it's nice out, we'll play volleyball, but it's just a really good day to hang out. And you don't need our permission to invite somebody to church. I would love it if you guys would invite somebody to church each and every week. Whether or not, whether or not they say yes is not your responsibility. But our responsibility as lights that shine on this earth for the sake of Jesus, we are to invite people into relationship with Jesus. Whether that's come to church, come to small groups, come pray with me. Um, but please take advantage of next week. We're going to make it real easy for you. We're going to feed them for free. And we get like the good hamburger meat, not like, you know, the stuff they serve at Taco Bell. All right. Um, this morning marks the beginning of a one-month series on sex and dating. Um, sexuality and relationships. And this is a big topic, and it makes sense that we would do it now, given the fact that we have Valentine's Day coming up in a few days, and spring is right around the corner. I was really encouraging us to fashion this sermon series off of the word Twitterpated. Does anybody know what that word is? Twitterpated? No, see, and it's a good thing we didn't, because you don't know what that means. Um, I woke up at four in the morning on Friday with a couple things that I felt like the Lord wanted me to impress upon us before we move into this sermon series, and so I just want to share those real fast. On Wednesday night, when Kaylin announced that we were going to be doing a month-long series on sex and dating, even from in the cafe where I was, I could hear the room just erupt in awkward, nervous giggling, and I get it. Nobody wants to listen to a 40 or 30 year old man get up at church and talk about sex and dating, except for the fact that God calls us to do it. Um, and I thought about that as I was laying there awake at four in the morning, thinking about the fact that this Sunday was gonna mark the beginning of this series. And I figured, you know, there's three reasons why people giggle in that nervous awkwardness um, when things like sexuality come up in open conversation. And those three reasons are ignorance, a lot of people, when it comes to sex and dating and sexuality, there's a lot of ignorance out there. There's a lot of arrogance out there. And there's just a lot of awkwardness about the whole thing. Um, it is our job as your pastors, myself and Kaylin, 
and others to talk about tough stuff and to demonstrate what the Bible says about tough stuff. And the Bible has all kinds of things to say about sex, sexuality, and dating. And we can't just skip them because they're uncomfortable or awkward or hot topics or if the world disagrees. So we're going to talk about it. And there's a little ignorance around this topic, but pay attention and you'll learn something and you won't be as ignorant like me. And there's a lot of arrogance about this. I know there's some of you in this room that are looking at me right now, and they're like, I know all I need. You know, I, I watch Fifty Shades of Grey. I know what's up. You know, I, I've, I, I've been to health class. I saw the coach with the tight shorts with the diagram. I know what's going on. There's a lot of arrogance about sexuality and sex in thinking, I know everything I need to know. You guys, I've been married for years. I'm older than most of you times two, and I am still learning all there is to know about sex and sexuality. And so if you're like, I don't really need this, you do. I, listening to this sermon last service, learned some stuff. So this service is for you. And then lastly, there's awkwardness about talking about sex at church. Um, There's awkwardness too because a lot of us may have not had the best sexual experiences to date, whether in front of a computer screen or a magazine discovered in somebody's closet or with somebody you're dating um, it doesn't have to be sex all the way to be a sexual encounter or experience or thought. And there are many of us in this room. Um, we may have been abused sexually, whether a touch or more. There are many of us in this room that feel shame or guilt or fear based on something we have done or are doing when it comes to sex and dating. And I just want you to know that that is not God's heart for you or will for you. God does not operate by impressing upon us fear and shame and guilt. So if you're feeling that way and it's tied up in sexuality, that is not God's heart for you. There is a better way that he is designed for you. So if you are wrestling with some arrogance this morning, some ignorance or some awkwardness, good. It means that God has something to say to you. And this sermon series was not my idea, but Kalen's. And God has given Kalen some really awesome, foundational stuff to say to us this morning to get this sermon started. So I applaud you guys for coming this morning and listening to this and being willing to be a little awkward. And would you applaud Kalen for talking to us about it? Come on up here, Kalen. Turn on my mic. Oh, that was so fast. Like Justin said, I'm Kalen. I'm the associate student pastor. And hey, before we get started, can we just pray together? Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning and confess that we are absolutely desperate for you. Lord, I don't have the energy. I don't have the words to say. I don't have the the wisdom enough to handle this, but God, you do. So Holy Spirit, I, I invite you to speak through me. May your words and your words alone come out of my mouth. God, I pray for each and every heart in here this morning that you would uh, soften our hearts to receive your word. God, that we would not um, keep up a wall of pride or uh, self-reliance, but that we would just care to know what you have to say about this topic. God, we we need you. We ask you to speak. Students, if you would just take a moment and, and ask the Lord yourself. Ask God to speak to you. And then if you would, pray for me. Pray that God would give me strength and that it would be his words alone coming out of my mouth, not mine.
Lord, we need you. We invite you to move in this place however you see fit. God, have your way in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like Justin said, we are beginning a month-long series on sex and dating. It's February. It is the month of love, and so it's fitting. Um, Hopefully, you guys are not going to be too weirded out by it, but it's okay if you squirm a little. Um, This stuff needs to be talked about. Um, As Justin approached me a few weeks ago just saying, hey, would you pray about uh, maybe doing uh, three or four weeks of teaching on whatever topic you want? And we were sitting in a meeting when he said that, and I, I immediately thought, man, we need to do some teaching on sex and dating. And then Dwight leaned over to me, and he said, you should do sex and dating. I was like, okay, God, I get it. I get it. I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to do it. So here we are. Um, and as I was preparing for this, I started looking up just kind of some, some statistics and some facts to kind of give me a lay of the land to kind of see what the culture is telling us. And so I'm just going to roll through them real quick. By age 19, around 50% of teens have engaged in sex. Porn is a $10 billion a year industry in the U.S., just in the U.S. One in five internet searches are for porn. The average age of first exposure to porn is 11. 11. The U.S. Department of Justice said... Never before in the history of the United States has so much indecent and obscene material been so easily accessible by so many minors in so many American homes with so few restrictions. That's that's the government saying that. You know it's bad when the government's saying that. One in three teens is a victim of either physical, verbal, emotional, or sexual abuse from a dating partner. And guys, the, the effects follow them their entire lives. Sex is all around us, whether it be uh, the movies we watch, the TV shows, the books we read, if you just open your phone and look at the news, um, if you talk to your friends at school. Guys, we are are surrounded by sex. We are a a sex-crazed culture. I mean, you just look at Look at Hollywood, kind of where, where so many people get their, their cues on what is, what is good, what is fun, what is cool. You look at, I mean, how many Hollywood stars have been divorced the past few years? I mean, you got Star-Lord up there. Star-Lord, getting divorced. Obi-Wan Kenobi, he had the force, and he still... I mean, if you look at Hollywood you see a very clear depiction of the fruit of the, the type of mindset that they have toward sexuality. And that, the, their type of mindset has pervaded so much of the culture. I mean, it, it doesn't end with divorces. I mean, you look at the Hollywood sex abuse scandal. The, uh, I mean, it, it just it goes on and on. The, the fruit of destruction that the, the world's mindset is giving them. Guys, it is hurting them in, in such painful ways. I mean, not, not to mention the emotional, uh, spiritual pain, but also the physical pain. STDs are at an all-time high. Like, the, the, the pain and destruction that has surrounded our view on sex in this culture is, is everywhere. And so we have to know what, what does God say about it? Now, I'll just confess to you guys that, that growing up, I had very much a, a worldly view towards sex, because at, at age 11, I was over at a friend's house for a sleepover, 
and he showed me porn for the very first time. And because of that, I then had a decade-long addiction to pornography where I was just, it, it tore up every aspect of my life. And then I, I got married, and then me and my wife had to work through all of my messed up uh, views and emotions and, and everything, and the pain that that brought into my marriage that we then had to seek healing for, and praise God, he gives healing. That's what uh, God is all about, redemption. But nevertheless, there, there's pain involved in that. And so if, if sex is such a huge part of our culture, we, we need to know what God says about it. You know, uh, the world will tell you that, um, that there's no real absolute truth. They'll say that, like, what's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. You know, you get your truth over there, and I'll keep mine, and we'll just kind of keep our distance. Whatever you feel is truth, that's, that's your truth. That's what, that's what our culture is telling us these days. If you really think about that, that is the most asinine thing you'd ever heard. Because if, what if my truth, okay, what if my truth says that every person that I meet, I get to kill? What if every puppy that I see, I get to kick? What if my truth says that, that I can go into any one of your homes and steal all of your clothes and all of your, your possessions? What if my truth says that? Guys, there, there has to be absolute truth. It doesn't make sense that, that this truth is fluid and it depends on the situation and who you are and what you believe. If my truth says that I'm gonna kill everybody, man, that, that's not a good truth. Hitler believed that he was walking according to his truth. That's the kind of fruit that that, that kind of mindset gives you. He fully believed that his truth was, was the truth. But guys, he was wrong. He, did, he had nowhere near close enough to the truth. He was way on the other side. And the fruit of that is destruction. When we don't have uh, and we don't abide by the truth of what God has to say, the one who set everything up, the one who established the boundaries, how he saw fit, if we don't abide by him, then we reap the destruction it reminds me of, of a video clip that I, I saw a while back, and, and it's these, these people that, that see something that is fascinating to them, and they, they get a little too close to it because they want to they kind of test the waters and, and get a good, good picture of it. And guys, they, they don't respect the power that is involved in what they're videoing, and so let's check this out. Put the wind blowing that way.
that is an example of, of somebody who saw something that was fascinating, it was kind of cool to look at, and they got way too close to it. They crossed the boundary that they should have stayed at, the safe boundary, and the, the explosive blast caused them some serious damage and fear and trauma. Guys, that, that is the same thing with sex in our lives. And just for all of you ladies in there who are about to cry, the girl was fine, and she had like hearing loss for an hour, just so you know. That's the same kind of power that, that sex has in our lives, but so many of us in this world decide to be like that guy. We decide to get a little too close to it because it's, it's attractive, it's, it's fascinating, it's fun. I mean, getting a cool video that you can put online. So many of us get way too close to that boundary, and, and because of that, we, we experience the trauma of, of the consequences that's involved there. I mean, it makes me think right off the bat of the, the amount of sexual abuse that it goes on in our world. I mean, so many women that I know and many men have been victims of sexual abuse. And I just want to address it right off the bat that that is not okay. That is, that is not okay in any way. Sexual abuse is not okay. It's not your fault. Guys, it's not your identity, and it's not your destiny. God has, has redemption in store for those of you who have, have been victims of that. My heart hurts for you, and God's heart hurts for you. Jesus wept over his friends and Jesus weeps over your pain. He wants to bring restoration and freedom there. But guys, the, the, the damage that, that a wrong view of sex can have is, is explosive. It is traumatizing. And so we need to know what's a right view of sex. And where do we go to find right views? Well, we have to go to God's book. He's the one that created everything. He's the one that set it all up. And so we need to find out, okay, what does God say about this issue? Well, right off the bat, we know that, that God created marriage and sex for procreation, for enjoyment, for unification, and the list goes on and on. God created it for those things. Listen to what it says in Genesis. It says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, have lots of sex, have kids, have babies. God's saying, it is, it's good, do it. it. said, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God said, look, I created sex. I created all the pipes to function how they do. I created you. I created this union called marriage, and it is very good. That's your creator. That's your father saying, look, I, I set this whole thing up, and I'm saying it gives my stamp of approval. God is not a prude. He's not afraid of sex, but God has specific boundaries that he set it up to function within for our highest joy, because he knows that our highest joy is found in self-control within his boundaries. 
God's not afraid of sex. In fact, he, he wrote an entire book within the Bible about sex, about relationships, about attraction, dating, marriage, intimacy. It's called The Song of Songs, and it is an entire book on what a healthy relationship looks like. And it takes them from initial attraction all the way to the wedding night and marriage and conflict and beyond. God gave us a roadmap for how to handle this, this sensitive topic. He didn't leave us in the dark. He didn't, didn't say, hey, here's this thing that causes a lot of damage. Have fun. It's not like God took a hand grenade and was like, here, little toddler, play with that. No, God, God gave us boundaries. He gave us instructions for our good. Listen to what it says in Song of Songs, chapter 4. This is Solomon, the husband, talking about his wife. It says, you are beautiful, my darling, beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves. Your teeth are white as sheep. Your smile is flawless. I mean, he starts from her head and describes her all the way down to her toes and everywhere in between. God is not afraid of this. Just, by the way, a little, little hint for the guys in the room. If you're going to be trying to get a girl to go on a date with you, you might not want to say your teeth are white as sheep. That might be a little awkward. I mean, you could try it. Actually, you know what? Try it. Fellas, try that one out, and then come tell me how it worked, because I can laugh at you. Um, But the principle is the same. This husband loves his wife and loves everything about her, and God said it is very good. So God is not afraid of sex, and he has a lot to say about it, but the world also has a lot to say about sex. Listen to this quote. It says, if you repeat a lie often enough, it becomes the truth. If you repeat a lie often enough, it becomes the truth, as we see that all over our culture. You look at 20 years ago, man, the, the, the acceptance of homosexual marriage and transgender and sleeping around casual sex, it, it was very much less accepted than it is today. Why? Well, because the culture has repeated this lie over and over and over and over again to the point that it, has now, it now feels like truth just because we've heard it so much. And so if the world is repeating these lies, then we have to combat it. We have to come against it with the truth of God's word, his absolute truth. So we're just gonna do that today. We're gonna take a a little bit of time to do just a broad overview so that we're all on the same page. We kind of set the stage for the next uh, three or four weeks. So we're gonna look at what does the world say about sex and sexuality and what does God say about it? And we're just kind of going to go through the list of all the things that I feel like we might be tempted to believe the wrong thing in. So let's just jump right into it. What does the world say about masturbation? They say it is totally healthy. They say it's totally encouraged and normal. They say it's, it's good. They encourage it. What does God say about masturbation? 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5 says, God's will for you is to be holy. 
So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in the lustful passions like the pagans who do not know God. What God is saying, I want you to live in self-control. Don't just give in to every urge that comes across your body. Exercise self-control. And why does he tell us to do that? Guys, if we give in to a, a, an urge anytime it hits us, if we give in to uh, a habit of masturbation, then we are training ourselves that, that we can always fulfill our own desires with sex. You're training yourself for whenever you get into marriage that it's all about you, it's all about your needs, it's all about your desires, it's all about what you want, with no regard to the other person. As everything that you're doing now is training you for how you're gonna be married, how you're gonna operate within a relationship. Not to mention the fact that masturbation always involves lust, and so that's just an easy one right there of, and we are called to, to not lust, and we'll, we'll hit that in a second. What does the world say about sex before marriage? They say, try it before you buy it, right? Anyone heard that? Try it before you buy it. That's what the world is telling you. They're, they're saying it's, it's harmless fun. It's a natural part of dating, or it's a natural part of partying, just hooking up. Okay, what, what does God say about sex before marriage? Genesis 2 says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. One flesh. 1 Corinthians 6, 16 says, Don't you know that anyone joined to a promiscuous woman is one body with her? For Scripture says the two will become one flesh. Guys, any time that, that we give in to uh, any, any kind of sexual interaction with another human being, we become one flesh with them. That's how God designed it. He created it that way so that a husband and wife could come together in complete unity. But we have distorted that to where we think that, that we can just have casual sex with whoever and that it won't tear us apart. It, it won't damage us. There's a... Uh, some scientists recently who have done some studies and they're now saying that anytime a woman comes into contact with male sperm, his DNA is implanted into her brain. She carries his DNA for the rest of her life. I mean, that is science confirming right there what God said thousands of years ago, that, that the two become one flesh. And guys, God designed it to be good and for our benefit, for our enjoyment within the boundaries that he set up within marriage. So what does the world say about pornography? They say it's harmless, that it's natural, that it's healthy even for, for married couples. They encourage it, how to spice up your love life. Such a lie. What does God say about pornography? Matthew 5, it says, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Look, if, if we just lust after someone else, then we are in our hearts 
committing a, a sexual act with that person. So you, you think that, that it's just a victimless thing to, to look at pornography? I, I thought that for a long time. Guys, it is not. It is so damaging. I mean, you, you think about how many victims do we have? Okay, we are the victim anytime that we look at that, right? Why, why, why are you the victim if you look at that? Well, they've done studies. They've done brain scans of people. They took a group of guys and who were not addicted to pornography, that, that never watched it. They did brain scans, and then they gave them a month-long time to start watching pornography. They did some brain scans afterwards, and they, they looked at the brain, and then they compared it to heroin addicts' brain scans. And the brain scan before the pornography was totally healthy and normal, after a month of pornography, their, their brain was very similar, almost identical to the brain of somebody who had been an, a heroin addict for years. Guys, it is, it is changing the chemistry of your brain. It is, it is damaging us in, in ways that this culture has no idea. They think it's just harmless fun. It's not. It is, it is so destructive and damaging. Not, not to mention the fact that whenever you, you bring it into your marriage, you have messed up views of what intimacy looks like, of, of what uh, a real marriage, real uh, physical intimacy should look like. You have to work through all of the baggage of all the pornography that you've watched to get back to what God says about this union between you and your spouse. So not only are you the victim, but then your future spouse is the victim my wife was the victim of my years of pornography. She had to deal with the, the insecurities and the, the uh, unmet expectations and, and just the hurts of, of me being unfaithful to God all those years. And then we had to work through that together and, and it caused so many fights and so much conflict that that. Praise God, he is a God who redeems and that, that has grace and that there's healing there. But, but there was for sure a lot of junk that we had to work through to get back to a healthy place of what physical intimacy looks like. And not just physical intimacy, but emotional intimacy. Me, me learning how to serve her. So you got yourself, you got your future spouse, and then you have, I mean, obviously the people on the screens are the victim, or on the, the paper, or whatever. That is somebody's daughter, somebody's son, who most likely is, is addicted to drugs and, and is, is miserable with their lives that, that we are per perpetuating anytime that, that that is looked at. As there, there are victims everywhere, and I, I could go on and on, but it is not a victimless thing. Beyond just the victimhood of pornography. Yes, that, that is there. But just practically speaking, when you give yourself to a, a lifestyle of giving into your sexual urges, kind of like it talks about with masturbation, when you, when you give yourself into the, the habit of giving into those urges, it trains your brain to respond to sexual immorality. So you're training your brain every time that, that you give into sexual immorality now, you're, you're being trained to, to then look for new stimulus, 
because it's always new, it's always fresh. You're, you're training yourself to respond to the adrenaline rush that you get when you give in to sexual immorality because you know it's wrong. And so when you get into marriage and it's no longer wrong, you have trained your body to, to crave, to need that adrenaline rush, that new stimuli. And yet it's no longer wrong because you, you are married. It's good now. And that's when you get people saying, man, it's just not the same. We just, we just lost our, our spark. We lost our fire. That's because most often they had, had gone into that thing with, with their, their physiological selves being trained to crave sexual immorality. Guys, it, it's the path to adultery. Pornography, sexual addictions of any kind now, sex outside of marriage, before marriage, is training yourselves to respond to that adrenaline rush, to respond to immorality, to respond to, to things that, that you're not supposed to have, so that when you get into marriage, it's very easy to fall into the trap of, man, it's just not enough, it's not the same. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll go looking for that, that adrenaline rush somewhere else. Maybe with that, that person at my work or that, that, that person I met online, I get the adrenaline rush. Oh, that's love. That's real love. Guys, it is a slippery slope. Don't let the world fool you into thinking that it's harmless. It is not. It is not harmless. Let's move on. So what does the world say about homosexuality or transgenderism? What does the world say about that? Well, they say, do what feels right. Don't fight your urges. There's no such thing as right or wrong. Maybe you were just born with the wrong gender. I mean, gender is fluid after all, right? It's fluid. Like, I, I feel like a woman today. Okay, now I feel like a man today. That, that doesn't make any logical sense. Like, I am a human being. Can I just say that I, I feel like a giraffe today and just start walking around like a giraffe and, and eating leaves? Like, I don't know if that's how giraffes eat. It, it doesn't make sense, but, but we've heard this lie so much that we now believe it to be true. What does God say about that issue? 1 Corinthians 6, 18, he says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. The world says, just, just give in to your urges, and God is saying, no, flee your sinful urges, because they are killing you. They are damaging your body. What else does God say about this? Well, we're, we're talking about boundaries today, and just a very practical boundary that God has given us is how are your pipes set up? How are you designed? How is your body designed? Males are designed in a very specific way. That is the boundaries that God gave them. Females are designed in a very specific way. That's the boundaries that God gave their bodies. And when people balk at that and they fight that, they're saying, God, you messed up when you made me? Oh no, listen to Psalm 139. It says, God, you made all the delicate and inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. Your markmanship 
is marvelous. But God knit you together in your mother's womb exactly how he intended you to be knit. He took the time, he took the effort, he took the attention to design you, to design your body in the exact way that it is. That, that is the, the boundary that God has given us. Beyond that, I mean, you, you just look at some pretty straight up commands about homosexuality. Leviticus 18, this is, this is Old Testament, you know, people will say the Bible doesn't, doesn't address it. The Bible says it's, it's fine, nothing specific on it. Leviticus 18, do not practice homosexuality, lying with another man as with a woman. It is a detestable sin. I mean, it's pretty blunt, but some people say, oh, that's Old Testament. What about the New Testament? You know, Jesus came with the New Covenant. Romans 1.25, New Testament, says they traded the truth about God for a lie. And so they worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with women and the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. As there, there, is, there is pain, there is suffering. Anytime that we work outside of God's boundaries, outside of God's designs. And look, there, there is no condemnation, there's no hate for, for anyone who struggles with homosexuality. Just like there's no hate and there's no condemnation for someone who struggles with pornography or, or sleeping around or, or rage or stealing. God, God has infinite grace for us and he wants us to come to him with all these different urges that we have and say, God, what do you say about my urges? If I, if I have the urge to, to punch somebody in the face, God, what do you say about that? Okay, you say that's not right. Okay, I'm not gonna punch them in the face. Okay, but so many people say, oh, if you have the urge to, to be attracted to the same sex, then you should just give in to it. Well, it's the same thing. What, what is the absolute truth here? What does God say about this? God says that you should fight that urge because it's not good for you. Listen to what C.S. Lewis had to say about sin. It said, God hates sin like a mother hates the cancer that's killing her child. God hates sin like a mother hates the cancer that's killing her child. Guys, God doesn't hate the sinner. God doesn't hate the person, but he hates the sin. Just like a mother who has a, a child with cancer doesn't hate her child, but she sure hates the, the cancer that is eating away at her child's bones. And in the same way, God sees that sin in our lives is a cancer that eats away at us, that destroys us, that, that robs us of, of joy and, and greater happiness and greater pleasure. And so he looks at the sin in our lives and he says, that's not good for you. God hates our sin because he loves us too much to let us wallow in the, the pain and the shame of it. 
So just as we, as we conclude today, what, what does God say about sex? I want to reiterate, God, God says that sex is a gift. He's not afraid of it. He, he's the one that set it up. He designed it to work as he did. And if you read Song of Songs, you, you'll see that, that they are very free with each other. I mean, if, if you read it in front of your parents, you're just going to be like blushing everywhere. God, God designed it to be a, a good thing but within the boundaries of marriage. Not because he doesn't want you to have happiness or have pleasure. No, he wants you to save yourself for the greatest happiness, the greatest pleasure possible. So sex is a gift from God. Sex is also a picture of Christ and the church. So sex and marriage are a picture of of Christ and his church, Christ being the groom, the church being the bride. Sex and marriage is a picture of of them coming together into into one uh, flesh, into unity. It's a picture of how God has has saved us and redeemed us and and is calling us to intimacy with him, calling us to, to know him and be known by him. And beyond that, sex is also spiritual warfare. We'll, we'll hit on this a, a little later when we're talking a, a bit about marriage, but, but sex in a marriage, within the confines of a marriage, is an act of spiritual warfare against the enemy. But sex outside of marriage, outside of the boundaries that God created, if, if you're having sex with anyone or anything outside of your spouse, it is spiritual warfare against you. It is an open door for the enemy to come in and attack you and to have his way in you. So guys, we're, we're going to wrap up our morning here together. I know it's, it's kind of a, a heavy topic, but I, I hope you know that, that God has designed uh, boundaries to work in such a way that they are for our good. You need to know, and I'm going to hit this again because I don't feel like I can say it enough, that, that everything you're doing now before you're in a relationship, before you're married, is either setting you up for success in your marriage and, and joy in your sexual intimacy with your spouse, or it's setting you up for pain and heartbreak in your marriage and sexual destruction. Everything you're doing now is either creating the habits of self-control where you have an urge and you say, no, I'm not going to give into that because it, it, it dishonors God and it, it kills me. It's destroying me. I'm not going to give into that. So that then whenever you get into your, your marriage or your dating relationship and, and you're tempted to, to cheat on your spouse, to start sleeping around or to, to do whatever, you say, okay, I have this temptation. Nope, I'm not going to give into that. It's going to dishonor God. It's going to destroy me. It's going to destroy my marriage. As everything that you're doing now, there's nothing neutral. There's nothing right now that, that, that you can say, okay, well, if I give into this little sin, like it doesn't have an effect on me. It's not that bad. No, nothing is neutral. Either everything that you do is either uh, increasing your ability to have a successful, good, joy-filled marriage and sexual intimacy with your spouse, or it is setting you up to have a really hard time being faithful to your spouse. 
That is why it is so important for us to talk about this this month. Because we need to learn what God says about all this so that we can set ourselves up for a greater joy. Yeah, it might feel good in the moment to give in to sexual immorality. But guys, there's a, a lifetime of pain that comes with that. A lot of heartbreak. A lot of pain. I'm going to invite the band to go ahead and make their way up here. As we close, um, grab the pen and paper from under your seat. Guys, sex is, is good. Sex is a gift from God. And he has, has designed it for our enjoyment and our pleasure within marriage, within the boundaries that he has given us. So we're gonna continue this, this whole month to look at the boundaries that God has. We're gonna, we're gonna see what he says about, about dating, about uh, attraction, and, and everywhere in between. But I just want you to, to take a moment and just be honest with your heavenly father. Guys, there, there is absolutely no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if, if right now you're, you're feeling tempted to, to feel like I am the, I'm the worst, I hate myself, I hate what I've done, God is a God of grace. But he, he is the same God who, who the Pharisees were trying to stone the woman caught in adultery. And he said, hey, the first of you who, who, who cast the stone, you guys haven't sinned, right? And then he walks over to the woman after they all left and he says, Where, where'd your condemners go? Where'd those, those men go who wanted to stone you? And she says, they, they left. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Now, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Not so that we can be these religious, pious people who put on a good show for everybody so that we can look like we have it all together, no, we go and sin no more because we know that God has greater things for us. God has, has infinitely more pleasure, infinitely more joy, infinitely more happiness in store for us if we will just live within the boundaries that he has set up. So take your pen and paper now and just ask God, God, how am I living right now outside of your boundaries? How am I hurting myself that doesn't line up with your desires for me. You know, Justin talked last week about being honest with God, being vulnerable with God. Don't hold back. Be honest with your heavenly father. He knows everything already. He knows every sin you've ever committed, every, every thought you've ever had, and yet he loves you. He wants to know you. Just be honest with him. then invite him. Invite him to change the way that you think. Invite him to, to change the way that you think about relationships, about sex, sexuality, about dating. Say, say something like, God, I, I just want to know what you think. I don't care what the world thinks. 
I want to know what you think because what you think is what's best for me. And if you don't believe that, then confess that. God, I don't even believe that. Would you help me to believe? Would you show me that that's true? I don't believe it. You guys, just be honest with God. You don't have to put on a show for him. You don't, have to be, you don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. Just be real with your heavenly father. Be real with Christ. After you finish with that, I'd like to encourage you guys to, to take the other sheet of paper that's uh, under your chairs and just write out what questions do you have from the Bible, what, what questions do you have of God about sex, about dating, about relationships, about marriage? What questions do you want answered over this next month? And we're gonna do our best to, to hit as much of that as possible. Guys, we wanna help y'all get a right view of this because if you get a right view now as, as 15, 16, 18 year olds, as you will save yourself a lifetime of heartache. Not only that, you will give yourself a lifetime of joyous relationships. God has good things for us if we will just submit our wills to him, submit our desires to him. We're gonna continue to respond now. We have our, our communion, we have our tithe, with your questions, you can go and just drop them off inside these tithe boxes. They're new, they're little like treasure chests. Just drop your questions off in the tithe boxes. We'll collect them after service. Guys, would y'all pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you don't leave us in the dark on this issue. Thank you that you have given us some clear instructions on what is good for us. You've given us clear instructions on what is the path to our highest joy. Lord, help us to believe that. Forgive us for the ways that we ignore your commands for us so often because we think we have better ideas for ourselves. Lord, help us to trust you. God, I pray for every heart in here that is hurting. Would you comfort them? Every heart in here that feels shame, would you bring your mercy and your grace? Every heart in here that's confused, would you bring clarity? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would go with us here today. Would you continue to teach us, continue to change the way that we think about you, about each other? Lord, we love you. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name.